Good morning. This is from Proverbs 12, 15, 18, and 18 to 21. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Redemption Tucson. Three of you, thank you. Let's try it again. Good morning, Redemption Tucson. Thank you, thank you. You're already helping my self-esteem a little bit there. Um, I took a little longer to get up here. I feel like I was waddling uh, because uh, my father-in-law thought it'd be a good idea to run a mountain. So uh, he wanted to put me in my place, I guess. You get that going on. Uh, I'd like to say I won on the way down. So that going on. He didn't know it was a race, though, or else he would have won. Uh, and if you, if you think running up a mountain is a good idea, if you like take your friends on that, you need to apologize. That's not, that's not kind uh, or, or, or loving. Also, there's like a group of people here that went yesterday and ran 34 miles. What are you thinking? What are you doing? I, I think there's something wrong when running a marathon is too short. Running a marathon is too short. So, so that, that's, that, that, is not, that is not for me. But here's what we're doing this morning. We're not talking about running. Uh, amen. We're talking about Proverbs, and we're in the book of wisdom. And, and my name is, is, is Stephen. I don't think I've said this yet. All you know about me is I don't like running. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a, it's a privilege to get to preach. Uh, typically, I'm up here leading the music, but, uh, but Ian's doing a great job. Uh, Dave is in Chicago celebrating his anniversary with Kira. So uh, I believe they married for 15 years, which is, which is amazing. And... and, and, and uh, we're really, really lucky to have really godly men uh, eldering and leading in this church, men like Alex and Dave. So if you get a chance to talk to them, just thank them for walking with Jesus. Um, so we're in Proverbs. Week by week, we've been looking at the way of wisdom uh, and also the way of folly. And we've been kind of looking at these two uh, back and forth. And, and, and that leads us to, re- to, to reflect and to respond. And last week, we were in Proverbs 5. Uh, which dealt with, with sex and with temptation. And I want to say, if you weren't here, it was really impactful. And I'd recommend you go listen to that online. I think it's going to be really helpful for you. Um, but this week, we're looking at a different part of life that we're either going to be wise or we're going to be foolish in. And, and the Bible, it, it compares this area of life to a fire. And it has the ability to, to set ablaze and destroy everything. It compares this area of life uh, as something that reveals and exposes us to our core. It says that this area of life, as we just read, can be like a sword thrust or it could be like a healing bomb. See, it also says that, that the Bible says that this area of life is where life and death's power are. The Bible says that this area of life is how all of creation came into being. So this week we're going to be looking at words. We're going to be looking at communication. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can turn to the book of Proverbs. If you don't have a Bible, we want to get one into your hand. We've got some people that are going to be handing out Bibles. Could you, could you raise your hand if you don't have a Bible this morning? We believe that the Word of God is the very Word of God. I pray that my words are helpful this morning, but uh, we want to make sure that you have a copy of the Bible that you can follow along with. And if you don't own a Bible, I just want to say this is a gift to you. 
Uh, but if you do own a Bible, just leave it on your seat and we'll pick it up after the service. So um, I'm going to pray that, uh, that whatever happened up there would be okay. And then I'm also going to pray that God would use my words this morning to help us think about our words, all right? So let me pray for us and pray for our hearts and we'll get, we'll get going. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you speak life over us. Thank you for your word uh, that we can study and learn from. I pray that you'd be glorified in this time. I pray that you use my words and I pray that they'd be helpful. I pray that they would help us to follow you and love you uh, in in new ways. Lord, I pray that you would be with every aspect of of my communication this morning from the very words I say to the way that I say them, Lord, with the meditation of my mind and, and the words of my mouth, Lord, would all of it be pleasing unto you, Lord. Holy Spirit, as you wrote this text, would you give us minds that would understand it and apply it, that we might live all of life. All for you, King Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, if you're taking notes, I got four points to help us track. So number one, words come second. Number two, words have great impact. Number three, words reveal your heart. And number four, we're going to be looking at the word. So number one, words come second. Turn with me to Proverbs 10, uh, verse 19. If you, don't, if you don't want to turn there, it's going to be on the screen here. Proverbs 10, 19 says this. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. See, the first thing we need to know about about words when it comes to wisdom is that they should be second. Is that they should be second. The way of wisdom with our words is that they come second. See, listening comes first. Listening comes first. Proverbs has much to say about having many words. It is foolish. Proverbs has a lot to say about being quick to speak. It is foolish. And I want to confess to you, I find this very convicting. Those who know me are giggling. I don't appreciate that. Um, I find this very convicting because I like to talk a lot. And, and, and there's something ironic about me coming up here and preaching on this subject. But also there's something ironic about preaching about listening, right? Like, let me preach to you about listening this morning. I, I think Dave saw that this was a trap and was like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm not even going to mess with this one. Uh, but, but, also, but also God's word says to preach the word. So you ain't getting out of this one, family. Uh, uh, you might be like, why don't you apply this thing to let's wrap this thing up right now, right? Like, listen, uh, well, you're not getting out of this one, family. That's what we call a side step. Uh, Proverbs 17 says this. All right, we're going to just keep moving along. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. That's funny. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. You don't even actually have to be wise to look wise, Proverbs says. You just got to stop talking. Like, you're going to look wise. If you just listen and stop talking, you're going to look at even a fool who keeps silent, it says, is considered wise and deemed intelligent. You can just picture the scene, right? People talking and quarreling, doing the one-up thing. Maybe they're sharing stories or debating about something, and they're constantly one-upping each other. And there's just a guy in the corner doing this. And he has no idea what's going on. But he's the smartest guy in the room, according to Proverbs on this thing. Uh, uh, we say this a lot around here. Uh, but James 1.19, it's not on the screen, but it says, it talks about being slow to speak and quick to what? Listen. Quick to listen or quick to understanding. The way of wisdom is the way of listening. So, so what is listening? Listening is intentionally 
hearing to understand. See, listening, it's dignifying another person as having value. For, for, for they're an image bearer of God and are worth listening to. See, listening, it's humility. Because, because it's saying we, we can learn from others. It's got this humble posture of saying, of saying, man, this other image bearer, they got something to offer me. Listening is how we grow as people. Listening is how we build healthy relationship. Listening is how we love our neighbor. Listening is how we build intimacy and connection with other people. Listening is how we follow and love Jesus. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? If we do not listen, we will not experience any of these things to their full capacity. Listening, it's hearing to understand. I just want to ask you, when's the last time someone listened to you like that? I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you probably felt loved you probably felt heard. You probably felt known. You felt close to that person. You probably felt safe. For me, uh, uh, someone I can think of that really did this well recently, um, I was actually going out and grabbing tacos with a guy named Jim Mullins. He's a pastor at Redemption Tempe, and I owed him tacos because a long, 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 long time ago, uh, the Cardinals beat the Seahawks, and we're going to keep moving on here. And so uh, he owes me tacos now uh, as we sit here in, in the present. But that's a conversation for another day and a different set of idols that I don't want to get into because they're too near and dear to my own heart. And so uh, Jim Mullins, he, he met with me, and he was asking me questions. And he was saying, Stephen, what do you think you're good at? When was the first memory you have of feeling proud about something? He said, what, what makes you anxious? What makes you scared? And he, he didn't have any, he had no agenda. He just wanted to get to know me better. He wanted to understand my heart. And there was a connection and an intimacy and a friendship that was built over great tacos at uh, Taqueria Pico de Gallo. And uh, it, was, it was great conversation in this hearing to understand. And I want to ask you, how would our marriages, how would our friendships, how would our parenting, how would our relationship with our roommates or our coworkers look different if we adopted this posture of true listening? How would your marriages look different? How would, how would it look if you maybe turned off the screen and screens can be helpful, but what if we turned off the screen and we turned to our spouse and said, how are you doing? And we ask questions like, how are you doing physically? How are you doing emotionally? How are you doing, uh, how are you doing relationally? How are you doing spiritually? What if we ask those questions? What if we asked, what are you scared of right now? What are you encouraged by? What are you discouraged by? How would our relationships look different if we adopted this posture? And then I want to say to the men in the room, just listen and don't try to fix it. Just listen. Amen. Amen means I agree. I'm tracking with that. How would our relationships look different? How would our relationships, if we adopted this true posture of listening? Listening, it's, it's hearing to understand. And I want us to get that. I'm saying it a lot because I think we struggle with it. Because that's what listening is. But you know what listening is not? Waiting for your turn to talk. Listening is not waiting for your turn to talk. Amen. 
Yeah, so we've been there, right? You've been there with that guy or that gal and you're talking and they're not listening. You know, they're like, well, you just hurry. Like you get a breath in and they're like, boom, they just cut you off, right? You've been in those conversations and they are annoying. And I want to say, I'm sorry, I've probably done that to some of you in the room. And uh, it's just, it, it, you feel small. You feel stupid. You feel like, do you care about anything I'm saying? Listening, like it is not just waiting for your turn. You can have your mouth shut. And some of us, we don't even do that. We're like, like waiting, we're ready to explode the second they even breathe. You can have your mouth shut and not be listening. Waiting for your turn to talk is one of the pinnacles of pride. For you think what you got to say is more important than what they got to say. It, what it's essentially saying is, will you hurry up so we can get to the important stuff? My words, right? Like, and that's just one of the pinnacles of pride. Proverbs 18.2, it, it speaks frankly. It says this. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Uh-oh. I, I, this sermon is convicting to me in many ways. And also, I'm pretty sure, could you throw 18.2 back up there? I'm pretty sure this is like social media's vision statement. Like, we take no pleasure in understanding. Just express your opinion. Like, that is, that is, it, it, do you, let me just ask you this. Do you want to understand or you just want to express yourself? Do you, do you want to understand your neighbor or just talk to your neighbor? Some of us, we're very satisfied with the latter. And I just want to say an aside, because I said stuff about screens a second ago and then social media is on screens. Um, it can be helpful. Um, it can be good from time to time. It, it, it can actually enhance things at times. It's like dessert, Dessert's good. I like dessert. That's why I was running a mountain. I like dessert a little too much and that going on. But here's the thing. If that's all you're eating, it's going to kill you. Social media is like dessert. Let that, let that be an application that you run with there. So why be slow to speak and quick to listen? Because it is the fruit of a heart that's rooted in the gospel. What do I mean? You don't have as much to say when you don't have as much to prove. You don't got as much to say if you don't got as much to prove. Come on now. If my identity is wrapped up in my work, my achievement, my intellect, my being right, right? Like, come on. If my identity is wrapped up in these things, then it's going to lead me to need to prove myself, and it's going to lead me to be very quick to speak and very slow to listen. Whereas an identity in Christ Will, will, will lead me to have nothing to prove and nobody to impress, which inevitably leads me to listen. It will lead us to listen. And, and this isn't just wishful thinking. You, you are saved, Christian, by Christ's work, not your work. By his identity, not your identity. By his achievement, not your achievement. By his performance, not your performance. And, and this gospel, it sets us free and it allows us to not have anything that we need to prove, which means that you are free, which means you are free to listen. Amen? The gospel of Jesus Christ brings freedom. But now, let's not use this freedom for our selfish gain, but let's use this freedom to listen. Proverbs 12, 15 says this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Again, the way of foolishness, the way of folly, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. It's not just enough to be wise and listen. 
You've got to be wise in who you listen to. Who are you listening to? For some of us in the room, we're not even listening. You're not listening right now. Wake up. Listen. Like, it's time to listen. You're not listening anyways. No, I'm just kidding. Um, some of us, we need, to, we need to wake up and listen. But some of us, we're listening, but we're not listening wisely. For a lot of us, we're predominantly listening to three things. We're predominantly listening to ourselves. We're predominantly listening to our screens and to our feeds. And that, that's the way of folly. And we talked a couple weeks ago about, about the heart being sick and deceitful, and yet we follow that as the truth. See, some of the worst advice you can give somebody is just a blanket, follow your heart. Someone in our RC was saying, I feel like my entire adolescence was a lie. Because she was, she was a gal. She's like, my entire adolescence, just follow your heart. And I'm like, what? And she was like, what bad advice? Or guys, go with your gut. Don't go with your gut. Don't follow your heart. No, go with the word, right? Like, follow the scriptures. Like, we need to first be listening to, to God's word. We need to listen better. We need to listen wiser. First, we need to listen to God's word. Because his word is the very word of God. It is perfect. It is true. It is good. And I, I, this, this, I didn't want to put this in the sermon, but I felt like I had to. And that, that, does my time on social media and sports and entertainment greatly outnumber my time in the Word and books and in community and devotion? And the answer for myself is yes. Stephen, that is so foolish. That's really dangerous. Is it sinful? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think there's, uh, but I think it's dumb. I, just, I don't think it's wise. I, I think Proverbs would say, yeah, you're just, you're just not walking in wisdom. We, we need, church, a foundational diet of listening to the word. And we also need some good resources on the side to help us grow. <laughs> we need some of that as well, reading good books. We also, second, we need to listen to godly counsel. We need to listen to godly counsel. People that are older than us, for one, <laughs> and people who love you enough to tell you when you've messed up. Tell you, man, you're walking in folly right now. And that's not very smart. And we need people who love us enough to encourage us and say, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. Keep walking with Jesus and inspire us. We don't just need people that tell us when we're doing wrong. We need people that can encourage us and tell us when we're doing right. Get those people around you. We also need friends who are walking shoulder to shoulder beside us, who are slugging it out with us. We need those people as well. We need to listen to them. And then lastly, and in light of all of this counsel, then comes yourself. But we jump right to the last one. The way of wisdom is the way of, of listening. Words come second. And I, I wanted to spend about half of our time this morning on this subject because I think we struggle to listen. I think we're really good at talking uh, at each other. I think we're really fluent in that. I don't think we're very fluent in listening to each other. We following? Amen? Number two. Words have great impact. Proverbs 12, 18. It's been referenced a couple times. Let's read it again. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I just want to ask you, do you realize how impactful your words are? You, individually. Do you realize how impactful your words are? The words you say to your kids, the words you say to your spouse, 
The words you say to your coworkers, to your friends, to yourself. They can be like sword thrusts and bring death. Or they can bring healing. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's one of the greatest lies a kid could be taught. That's not true at all. More like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will impact my entire being. Like, bones heal. Give me a cast. What do you, words, they get out of my heart. And, and heart surgery is a little, a little more messy last time I checked. I'm not a doctor. Words have great impact. For example, I'm going to share three stories, same, same three words, different contexts, three different outcomes. Three words, I love you. I love you. My entire life trajectory changed when I said those three words, I love you, for the first time to Kelsey, and then four more words came, will you marry me? Spoiler alert, she said yes. <laughs> this would be a very different story if she said no, and then I had to wrestle with inadequacy for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> these words changed the entire trajectory of my life for good and for better and for joy. I love my wife. She's great. I, I also experienced incredible healing. So those words changed trajectory of my life. Also, I experienced incredible healing when I heard those words in another context. I had those godly men I was talking about in my life, and they were saying, God loves you, Stephen. He loves you simply because he loves you, not because you're useful to him. He loves you because he loves you, because you're his son. And then they said three more words that actually cut even deeper. They said, God likes you. That one was hard to hear. That one I wrestled with. God likes you, Stephen. You didn't find a loophole. He pursues you because he loves you and delights in you. And these words, they healed me. They brought healing into my life. And, and these godly men were saying, God's not telling you, Stephen, that if, if you obey me, I'll love you. God's telling you, Stephen, he loves you. Now just respond in obedience. Words bring healing. These, brought, these words brought freedom. <laughs> we just sang about it. These words, they brought healing. And they brought freedom, emancipation in my life. But also those same powerful words, I love you, when, when omitted and when assumed, it leads to hurt and confusion. I, I told my dad I was going to talk about this, and, and, and my dad loves me. My dad's a great man, a godly man. We, we could all only hope to have a dad like I had and have. Some of you didn't have that. I'm sorry. Thankfully, God is our Father, and He is the perfect Father to all of us. But one thing about my dad is he's not a man of many words. I didn't inherit that from him. Um, he's not a man of many words, which means he's a man of wisdom. But, uh, but one thing, because he's not a man of many words, I, I didn't hear that often, I love you, Stephen, in my household growing up. I knew it, but it wasn't said. It was assumed. And, and what that led me to was try to construct an identity where I would be perceived as lovable, 
where I would be the type of person parents could be proud of. Some of us know exactly what I'm talking about this morning. But the good news is, is the story doesn't end there with me and my dad. Me and my dad recently, uh, within the last couple of years, we started being explicit and saying, I love you to one another. And it's brought great healing. It's brought great healing. I want to tell you, like, it's not too late for anyone in this room to change trajectory. It's been incredibly healing to me. It's been incredible, incredibly liberating to me. I want to tell you, maybe to the people, those who are married, husbands, your wife needs to hear I love you a lot. And this isn't just, I'm going to stereotype a little bit here. It's both here, but just bear with me. You can't just say it once. If I would have told Kelsey that one time, I love you, and never said it again, be like, I told you that one time. I don't think that's going to fly. Same like, wives, I'm going to assume that your husband needs to hear, like, I'm proud of you. I'm probably going to hear it a lot, especially when he fails, especially when he's hurting. And both of you need to hear both, but let us be generous with our words because our words have impact. And the words we don't say have impact as well. Let's look at what James 3 says about the impact of words, the words that roll off of our tongue. Uh, we could have read almost all of James 3. Uh, the whole book of James is actually great when we're talking about, uh, if you're looking for other places when you want to talk about your words. But here's, here's a little snippet here, starting in verse 5. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A, word, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been, has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. It's like saying, um, you can tame tigers, but you can't tame the tongue. Let it not be so. Proverbs 18.21 just bluntly declares death and life are in the power of the tongue. Church, we need to be slow to speak because of the severity of what our words can do and what our words can bring. Uh, this shouldn't lead us to silence. Some of us in the room, we need to speak up more. Some of you, you don't speak up at all. Some of you are in our small group. You're like, you've been here for like months and we still haven't heard from you, right? Like some of us, we need to speak up a little more. Speak up. You got a voice. You got something to say. Uh, this shouldn't lead us to silence, but it should lead us to intentionally respond with, with, with care and tact and love and wisdom in our speech. Language matters. What we say matters. How we say it matters as well. It's not just enough to say, I love you. I got a feeling, husbands, your wife, if you say, I love you. I don't think she's going to feel very loved by that, right? Like how we say this stuff matters as well. We, we need to be a good steward of our speech. We talk about stewardship in money. We talk about stewardship in our gifts and our time. We also need to be a good steward of our words. We need a good steward of every word that comes out of our mouth. This isn't going to be on the screen, but Psalm 141 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Words have a great impact. So we should be slow to speak and, and quick to listen. And, and then number three, words expose. They reveal your heart. Which is just another way of echoing what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. He says this, Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Words, that they reveal your heart. They expose who we are. Words are never just words. 
although some would like to make you believe that. Words are never just words. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you are saying is an overflow of your heart. It's an overflow of who you are. See, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Your heart is your will. It's your emotions. It's your desires. It's your thoughts. It's, it's, it's what you want to do. It is your entire life. And we got to remember our natural heart, it's sick. It's deceitful, the scriptures say. It needs healing. And, and, and the gospel declares, the good news of Jesus Christ declares that, that, that when we turn to Jesus, when we, when we put our faith in Christ, when we are saved, that, that, that when Jesus heals us, when he forgives us, he also gives us a new heart, which is what we need. So, so Christian, if you are in Christ, you are in a new creation with a new heart and new desires and, and a new identity and a new trajectory of life. You have a new destiny and this new heart should lead, it has to lead to new words. A new heart leads to new words because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The fruit of this new heart are our mouths that speak love and joy and peace and patience. It's, it's a mouth that speaks, speaks kindness, that speaks goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. It should be a mouth that speaks very easily, I'm sorry and I forgive you. This should roll, I love you. These things should roll off of our tongues because they are the things and the truths that have changed our heart. We are to be fluent in the language that brings life. We, we are the people who have a new heart from Christ. We, we, we've, we've been saved by Christ. We're called to speak the word and the way of Christ. And and. and, and this is what I want to say. Like something I heard is lovers talk about what they love. I just found out a gal in here got engaged uh, this weekend. I don't think it's going to take a lot to get it out of her. <laughs> I think it's just going to roll off. Like I, I have a feeling when we come to small group and our redemption community on Tuesday, we're going to be, it's not going to be a secret. We're going to have to pry it out of this couple. I think it's going to be pretty quick. I heard someone say, how do you know if someone's a vegan or like does CrossFit? <laughs> like, don't worry, they'll tell you. Right? Like, you've got to pry it out. Of it. You'll find out real quick uh, if they're doing that, right? How long should it take for us to talk about Jesus? If he's what captivates our heart, our mind, if all of life is all for Jesus, how long in our life should it take before our words lead to Jesus? And I'm not saying be a weirdo. Like, don't be that guy. But I don't think too many of us in the room right now are like, you're just talking way too much about Jesus. You need to tone it back. Like, I think a lot of us in the room, it's like, speak up. Let, let our words reflect our new heart. Let us, let us be fluent. There's a great book called Gospel Fluency uh, on this subject. Our words should reflect our heart. We should be, if we're people that have been saved by the gospel, our words should lead to the gospel really quite easily and quite quickly. But church, we, we often speak a language that's incompatible with who we are. The old language of sin is what we're fluent in, and it's what we speak out of. It's the language of cursing. It's the language of, of, of just cussing. It's the language of, of using the name of God in vain. It's the language of exaggeration, which is the language of pride. It's the language of, of truth without grace or wisdom or tact, which is no truth at all. It's the language of silence when words are needed and are demanded and called for. 
It's, it's the language of interrupting, which is another currency of pride. It's, it's the language of, of lack of self-awareness and, and, and overconfidence and arrogance. It's the language of lying, the language of gossip. But gossip is not just what you're saying. It's also what you're hearing. We need to ask a question. Should we be hearing what we're hearing? Should you be hearing this? And here's a filter. If you wouldn't say it in front of the person you're talking about, you shouldn't say it if they're not in the room. And that's a filter. I mean, I'll, I'll literally, like, ask the person, would you say this if they were here right now? If not, you need to go to them. And you need to have a conversation. And many times we can mask our language of gossip and lying and prayer requests and being concerned. Like, come on. That's the old heart, the old language. Rearing its ugly head. It's the language of empty threats. It's the language of, of bitterness and cold and careless and cutting words. Sometimes in arguments, all we want to do is cut. That's the language of the old heart. It's also body language and tone, right? Like, it's not just what you say and how you say it. We all, we've all seen the kid when it's like, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Like, no, you're not. Like, you're not sorry at all. Like, and some of us, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. We're like a three-year-old, like in many ways, our development needs, needs to grow. It's also rash and crude joking. And we got to stop here for a second. Because I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, but there is some stuff going on. So let me be clear, there is no such thing as just joking. Because many times words lead to actions and our words reflect our actions and our words can be an indicator of actions to come. Our words reveal who we are. And, and men in the room, I'm going to talk to you for a second. And I could talk about a lot of different things. This is the one I feel like it's November in 2017 that I feel like we need to focus in on. There is no room for crude, chauvinistic, sexist, talking, joking, posture, period. None. All the more this must be true of the church. It should happen, period. All the more it should be true in the church. What has been come to be known as a locker room talk? Boys will be boys. No. Let it be purged from our midst. Let us clean out the locker room. There's a lot more I want to say. But I'll say, men, in your home, in the gym, at your workplace, on the sports field, you're, you're not only called to not participate in this, but you're also called to bring salt and light and healing and redemption in the kingdom of God wherever you're at, and you're called to provoke and call out this behavior. We should not tolerate it. What does this look like? I, I work part-time in a restaurant, and uh, I'm pretty sure every curse word has originated if we followed it back to a restaurant kitchen um, in some ways. And uh, 
What I mean is, is there's a lot of language being used in, in these contexts. And um, from day one when I got there, I heard these guys, they were talking. And I want to say this is really quite normal in a lot of contexts. And uh, saying things, objectifying women, coworkers, people that would walk by. And they wanted, me, they wanted to invite me in to their sexist, chauvinistic uh, language. And I bluntly, like day one, like first day on the job, like new guy said, and this is like years ago, told him, guys, I will not engage in this. This is wrong. And I'm a one-woman man. My wife is my standard of beauty. I will not participate in this objectification. And guys, this is not the way it ought to be. And while I'm here, because I was in a position of authority, I could say this, while I'm here, this conversation will not happen. I can't control what you do when I'm not here, but as long as I'm here, there will be a pocket where, where, where women are viewed as people and not as objects. And if you're an authority, you have a responsibility to do the same and provoke this. I'm not a hero. I'm just giving one example of what things could look like. And there's a lot of people that could do things a lot better than me. But, but men, we need to use our power and privilege and positions that we might provoke this. Because this is, this is, the mask has come off. We're called to be salt and light. What we say, what we don't say, reveals who we are. And I want to tell you, one of the clearest ways that we can display the beauty and goodness of Christ is through our words. And I, I, we all need to be willing to stand alone in this. Amen? Our words expose us, and they point us to the very word of life itself, which is Jesus Christ. So I got one last point for us, point four, which is the word. Let's look at John 1, which eloquently says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the, uh, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And, and our words are to reflect the very Word of life Himself, Jesus Christ. God created light and earth and sky and water by the Word of His power. And God chooses to speak to us through words as well. Through his word, the Bible. It's incredible. It's incredibly humble of our God to do this. God also chooses to speak, although on a very different level and a different authority, through the words of men. And God has given us words. And I'm okay belaboring this point. God has given us words that we might steward, that they would reflect the God of words, the word of life, Jesus Christ himself. And yet I say this, and we're going to fail like today. <laughs> Maybe picking up our kids from redemption kids, like going to fail, like really soon fail. Like driving home and you, you, like, you're being chippy with who's in the car with you, like fail. Like we can't get out of the parking lot without failing in this, right? Drive home, the car next to you. Yay. Like we've got that far, right? Like we're going to fail. 
and, and, and then heaping on top of this. Like Jesus says that we're going to, we're, in Matthew 12, he says that, that we're going to be held responsible for every single word we will ever say and ever will say. And that's overwhelming. Like, like think of all the words spoken in anger. Think of all the words spoken in impurity. Think of all the words spoken in, in, in foolishness. All, all the words that, that were not said. And, and, and I want to say it's, it's, like, it's like a dam that, 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 that's piled up and, and it's starting to crack and it's just washing over us. And some of us in the room, we feel it. We feel that. And there's a sense of shame and guilt and despair. It might be in our words and it might be in another area of life, but we feel this. And so where do we turn? Where's the hope? We got to turn to more words. For on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And he meant it. It is finished. The, the, Jesus died the death we should have died. He lived the life we were meant to live. And he gives the gift that we could not earn. It is finished. Jesus has paid it all. Every last drop of our sin, every single word has been nailed to the cross. Every single one. Jesus put sin to death on the cross. Amen. That's good news. Amen. And, and, and here's the thing. Jesus died for every sin. He died for every word. And he died for every single area of brokenness in our life. And he is healing us. And he is putting it. We are like a broken mirror that has shards everywhere. And he's putting us back together in him that we might reflect him. And, and we feel it's, it's, it's as if we have the words of death written on us naturally. The wages of sin is death. We confessed our sin earlier. We, we, we feel that we have this, this word of death written over us. And, and yet Jesus is the word of life. And he rose again, showing that he has ultimate authority. And he has the final word. And what does he do? He has and ultimately speaks life over you. Jesus speaks life over you, church. And his word his word is good news. God's word of life over you. He speaks life over you. And he says, I love you. He says, I love you so much I was willing to die for you. He says, through Jesus Christ, I forgive you. He says, you are adopted. He says, you are clean. He says, you are righteous. You are chosen. You are not your scars. You are not your sin. You are not the empty words. You are mine, God says. And I have washed you clean, and I am making you new. Amen. It's good news. So let us, let us pray. Let us turn to, let us, let us turn from sin and idolatry and let us turn to Jesus, the author of life, the one who speaks life over us. And let us thank God for his words and for his work, for both of them speak life over you today. Let's pray. God, thank you for your words that speak life. Thank you for your work that gives us life. I pray that we would respond by having every single word that comes out of our mouth point to you. I pray that we would take seriously our words. I pray that we'd honor you in our words. And I pray that we'd repent and turn away from sin and the old language we have. Help us to do that. We need you, Holy Spirit, to fill us. 
We need your help. We can't do this on our own. And thank you that when we fail, we look to the cross. When Satan tempts us to despair and tells us of the guilt within, upward we look and see him there who made an end of all our sin. We thank you, God. In your name, amen.